I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Align Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Alexander. And... Today, I had a wonderful conversation with the Miss Jill Coleman from Jill Fit. She was such a good time to chat with. In the conversation, we got into all sorts of radical things such as body dysmorphia, self-actualization, the power of perception, and we even got into makeup and the psychology of why the heck we put makeup on. Super fun chat, significantly deeper than what I had anticipated, but um, that's the way we like to do it. What I hear from women is I'm so stressed about it, but I don't know how to not be stressed about it. And everything comes down to mindfulness, doesn't it? And how do you teach someone mindfulness? It's amazing to see the outcomes. It makes you feel so in your power and in control of your life. Once again, I thank you in advance for your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the visibility and the ranking of the show, and I am eternally grateful for your participation. Enjoy the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find the blog that I pour my heart and my soul into. You can learn actual tips on how to get stronger, faster, leaner, better at life in general, and just lots of fun tips tips and tricks. Uh, you can check out hundreds of free videos that I put out on self-care, functional movement, and how to get the most out of your body. You can take a look at the online coaching where we work on, once again, how to get the most out of this unit that we call our bodies. Working with mobility, working with flexibility, working with strength, working with speed, working with uh, whatever you need, really, to get the most out of your, your uh, vehicle. And then, as well, check out the self-care kit. Small enough to fit underneath your car seat in your vehicle and uh, it's like a physical therapist and a massage therapist all wrapped up into one little package. Thanks so much for participating. Enjoy the show with Jill and uh, I'll see you guys in about one second. Align Podcast. Alright, sweet. Well, we are going to get right into it here. So, I am super curious what your background with fitness is and kind of just what your journey has looked like so far, Miss Jill Coleman. <laughs> Thank you for saying it like that. That's yeah. when I was in Italy, that's how they said it too. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been an amazing journey. So I was really lucky to have fallen in love with exercise at such a young age and just have always really loved sports and things like that. And, you know, in college, I was a group fitness instructor, personal trainer and all of that. And then I never really paid attention to nutrition too much until I was about early 20s. I decided to do my first figure competition. Um, and for people listening, we don't know what that is. I always say it's kind of a cross between a bodybuilding show and like a beauty pageant because you have to come in very lean, very in shape, but then you also are expected to have like a femininity about you. Like, but you know, we're talking about, you know, 10, 12% body fat. So everything is based on aesthetics and you basically stand up on stage in a swimsuit in high heels and you're basically judged on your body, which is just amazing to me now looking back that as women, we would ever put ourselves in that position. But, um, I started doing that and that really forced me to take a look at my nutrition and get that on board. And what it ended up becoming was about five years straight of very yo-yo dieting, kind of black and white 
dieting, crash dieting, hours and hours of cardio. So I know, Aaron, for you, you're probably like, that's your nightmare because it's just like so much exercise and like so much just overloading like the delts and chest and like just being completely out of alignment because everything is about aesthetics. So if you feel like, oh, I need to have a little bit more delt, then you just work on that. Or I need my abs to pop and you work on that. And it's very just putting together this body. I call it just building a body, right? That's going to look good on a cover magazine. So I did that for a lot of years, but it became obsessive. Like it just became this thing where if I wasn't at that, in that quote show shape or 10, 12% body fat, I felt like I was unworthy and inadequate or whatever it looks like. So I think a lot of women can probably experience the same thing with their physique or with their body and kind of hating themselves and trying to use that as motivation to get in shape. And it just never works out. So for me, I started um, my company, Jill Fit Physiques, on the very tail end of that journey. And since then, it's become more about a mindset journey and about more of a moderate approach to exercise and eating and finding a way to exercise that you like and finding a way to eat that you actually enjoy so that your quality of life is such that you can be more compliant because again, you can't really hate your body into leanness. You have to kind of find that space where, um, you are doing things that make you feel engaged and make you feel, um, empowered rather than defeatist. So now at jillfit.com, which is my website, a lot of my blogging and content is all around mindset work and trying to get your mind right first and the physique outcomes come afterwards. So you can't do it backwards. You can't go, Oh, once I get down to 10% body fat, then I'll finally like myself. That's just not the way it works. And so I'm seeing a demographic of women at this point that I speak to who are in their, you know, they're in like the 30 to 50 age range and they just want to relax a little bit about their food. They don't want to be quite as obsessed with their body as they once were in maybe their 20s. And so it's been a really cool transition from that kind of super hardcore dieting, getting up on stage, bodybuilding type um, lifestyle to something that's a little bit more forgiving, but also still just as effective. It's just about the way we go about it. Awesome. I like that. You can't can't hate your body into leanness. (laughs) No, I don't know anyone that's ever worked for a term. And that's, I mean, but the the really interesting thing with that is, is I think that's a really high percentage of people that are in the gym. You know, it's either like mindless sets and reps, you know, just doing it because like, okay, cool. This is going to, you know, start carving out my biceps or whatever it is. Or oftentimes I think there is a degree of maybe self-loathing might be a little bit strong, but it's like, you know, you are not, I think you hit it on the nose with you're not good enough unless you have this appearance you know and I think what what that is is it's kind of like we've reverse engineered you know a healthy body you know so we're looking at these 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 images of people or you know athletes or dancers or whatever it is and it's like wow they have you know they have these beautiful striations in their muscles and they move so well it's like it's incredible to see I need that. And then we, you know, we jumpstart and go straight to, okay, I'm going to bolt on these muscles. You know, it's like, that's, that is, that is, that is a broken system in my opinion. And and it's okay if any folks out there disagree with me on that. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, it's really interesting. Like it's a really good point you bring up because, you know, I've done all that. I've done winning shows and I've been on covers of magazines and I've been in, you know, done all of that. And at that time I was never um, more miserable than I was in that time because of all those things you mentioned, which is, you know, you're, you feel like you're trying to put together this physique that needs to look a specific way. And in order to do that, it's very extreme. So I would be addicted to like Splenda and these artificial sweeteners. And I'd be eating sugar-free chocolate all day long because I had these intense cravings and I'd be doing hours and hours of cardio. My hair was falling out. Like, so you look at these photos and the girls look so vibrant and healthy. And, and I think a lot of them on the inside are not that healthy or like to your point, their joints are not really, you know, healthier. They, they 
end up with problems later with their adrenals and thyroid. And like, so I do think that it is a little bit unfortunate that the average consumer sees the end result and they don't see what's going on on the inside. And so for me at this point in my life, you know, my thirties, I'm, I'm way more just, I like the way I look better, even though I'm probably the soft. I've ever been in my adult life. I appreciate that look a bit more because I don't really have to stress it. I don't really stress about food or exercise anymore. I do exactly what feels good. And I, but I think you need that journey. I think it's important that everyone has their own unique journey. Unfortunately, you end up, Aaron, probably seeing some of the people who did themselves a disservice. I certainly do when I talk to women who are so obsessed with their body and food, and they really do feel not good enough. And yet they have so many amazing things going on in their life. They're amazing women, moms, you know, wives. They're taking it their career and but they can't see outside of I'm not fitting into a size four pants or whatever that looks like so it is I do feel for them but you also have to have that experience and go through the journey and that's kind of where I come in just as that person who just goes you know what it's possible I don't know I guess that's kind of my role I feel like I definitely want to just empower and let women know that they're not alone and that we're all kind of the same and we're all on the same journey and it's okay to be human I don't know <laughs> yeah no I think that's that's it and you know I think that I think soft is sexy <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all in the eye of the holder, I guess, right? Like when yeah. I was lean, I was always like, let me see my veins, you know, and now it's just like, oh, like, but it's just right. totally where you're at with that stuff. And it's not good or bad. I just think it's a personal preference and acquired taste. Sure. You know, and I mean, soft, I say soft is sexy. I'm, I'm joking and serious because, you know, that the female form, it's meant to have body fat. <laughs> it's, it's quite important. I mean, men as well. well but, but, what's that? Oh, like from an evolutional standpoint, right? Like evolutionary. As, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, just just like the, the healthiest form of of female, we should be. You know, I don't think we should be dipping much under sixteen percent body fat. I forget exactly what the numbers are right now, but I think like sixteen to like almost like thirty percent body fat is considered healthy for a, an adult woman. You know, yep. it's 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 so crucial to have that for all these bodily functions, and then we end up. It's it's very interesting how we pick out these these certain aspects of our bodies like oh this is bad it's like how did you get that idea <laughs> yeah it's just totally ingrained i mean especially when you're getting affirmation like i think a lot of people right. derive a sense of affirmation from you know people they start losing weight and all of a sudden they get comments oh my god you look amazing what are you doing like and so there's that need to keep getting that affirmation and then i know from my my own personal preference i mean from my own personal experience and a lot of women i worked with you get that because you do lose weight you get up on stage you you know do you know a photo shoot or whatever it looks like and then you gain the weight back right because you sure. always do anything that's drastic or anything that's that extreme you're always going to lose all you know you're going to gain it all back plus probably even some more and now your metabolism is just that much less responsive but anyway um and then at that point no one is saying anything anymore you're like oh what am i now chop liver like you're not getting the kinds of affirmation around your body that you were and that doesn't feel good right. so you go oh well, i just need to get back to that place i just need right. to lose this weight and then all of a sudden i'll start getting that affirmation or i'll be okay again. And that's just not, I mean, it's just a dangerous trap. And so many of us women get, I think, caught up in that men probably too, but it's, it's definitely a trap. Yeah. One of the, yeah. one of the things that really fascinates me is just people's perceptions of themselves and how drastically far off it can possibly be, you know, we'll, we'll never be able to, I'll never see the color blue the way you see the color blue. You know, I'll never see anything the way you see it because there, there's no way to tell. We all have different perceptions of what everything is. You know, so the way that the world sees you and the way that you see yourself oftentimes can be so far different. You know, it's, it's well, so isn't that the, 
What's That's kind of like the nature of insecurities, right? The nature exactly. of insecurities is that they are not objective, right. <laughs> that they're not logical. So, yeah, I mean, someone has, is insecure about something else and someone else would kill for that body, you know? So, you're right. Perception is everything, right? Would you consider um, what you had been going through as, as like a, a degree of, of body dysmorphia or do you think that's too heavy duty of a word? Oh yeah, completely. No, I definitely would. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would things like, um, you know, and I, it's hard to say, right? Because I do think that every woman is entitled to their own journey. So I'm always a little bit careful to tell people they shouldn't feel a specific way or the way they feel about their body is wrong or just why can't they see how amazing they look like. I do think that it's important to for everyone to have their own experience. So, um, for me, I, all I know is when I gained weight back after a show, it was such kind of like, uh, uh, like, I don't want to say, can I cut, can I cuss on your podcast or no? Oh yeah. Cuss, cuss okay. away. <laughs> I was saying, it was such like, a, it was like just such a mind fuck <laughs> because you had seen yourself so much leaner that when you go back to a normal size, like a woman six or an eight, which is by all means, like that's lean and thin for the average. But when you go back to that look after having been so lean, you feel fat. Like I remember wearing big men's Hanes white t-shirts out in public because I was like hiding from, I didn't want anyone to see me. I was embarrassed to be seen in public because I had just been seen four weeks prior, 20 pounds less, you know? So it was this very, and, and, and the way you feel like you can get back in control is by dieting again. Right. And so then it becomes this pattern where you're either dieting or you're way off. And it, that's where the black and white kind of all or nothing thing comes in. So, um, I feel for women who feel that way, but it took me about three years to kind of even out those highs and lows. It's possible, but it's definitely a practice and you have to be willing to do the work. Sure. You know, and you I see that all the time. Anytime I, I recently started going to a gym in the last year or so, just because I, I wanted to do uh, deadlifts and squats and a couple exercises like that. I don't do any isolation exercises at all, but I think it is really healthy to pick up heavy weight off the ground. Uh, but something, yes. that, uh, something I notice when walking around is gyms are, gyms are weird. It's, it's a very, very interesting place to be at, you know, but one of the things I notice is especially it's almost like the bigger and stronger someone gets at the gym, the more insecure they become. And it's kind of the exact same exact thing you're talking about right now. And you see folks walking around and they'll wear like these heavy sweatshirts and like sweatpants, you know, and then once they get the pump going in their, in their muscles, a pump being more blood circulation in their muscles. So they end up, you know, becoming more vascular and bigger in size. Um, then they'll take all that stuff off. And it's just like, what is that? <laughs> it's like, well, I can speak to the fact that like once you get a little bit, you get like a glimpse into what you would perceive to be quote perfection, which is just bullshit. But if you could, like, I think once you kind of get a glimpse of like what that could potentially be, it's really hard to settle for anything less. So I think there might be some truth in what you're saying, which is once you get a little bit closer, it almost makes the fact that you're not there more evident. Whereas before you're just right. kind of like a maverick and you just kind of accept that. But once you get a glimpse of, man, I've been elite status, anything less than that feels very painful. And so I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot that's go probably going on a lot. Sure. So I'm curious with, um, cause this is something that, you know, women, especially men men as well, for sure. Um, but there's so many people that are quietly dealing with this, you know, and it's something that it's like, it's kind of a shameful thing to say that you are not proud to be you, you know, and you're not, you're not secure in your own skin. What's the, the, do you kind of have a, a memory or an awareness of when those types of feelings started to come up for you? Was it like as a young girl or when, when did that start happening for you? 
Yeah, it really didn't happen until after I started doing these. I mean, it was on one hand, it was really empowering. So I hate to always talk about the bodybuilding community, but I think for me, it was such an amazing insight and tool and experience, one that I'm so, so grateful now. And I'm so glad that I had all the struggles that I had. And of course, things still come up, but I think for the most part, I'm kind of over so much of that. But I'm so grateful for the experience because two things. First of all, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but once you start going down the road, doing something that is a little bit tougher that requires more sacrifice, more mental energy, more willpower, whatever that looks like, whether it's going back and getting a degree or like anything that takes kind of some self-discipline, it's amazing to see the outcomes. It makes you feel so in your power and in control of your life. You go, wow, I eat these foods. I exercise this way and my body actually looks different. It's very, very intoxicating to see that kind of linear progression. And so for me, it was very satisfying. And that was the first time in my life. I was 24 years old at the time. And that was the first time in my life that I felt very in control or I was actually, quote, creating my life. We've heard of that. You create your life and things like that. That was the first time I felt very much like I wasn't kind of just floating through life. I had some purpose to it. And so for me at that point, um, it was an amazing experience. So, so empowering. And I think it spread into, Oh, I feel like I can have my own business and I feel like I can do this with my career. And I feel like I get to create my relationships the way I want them. It gives you a sense of, I'm a, an active creator in my life, which is amazing. But again, it is for me anyway, it was a trap because it required that I always was performing at that level of at that aesthetic or at that level of leanness or that level of competition, or I wasn't good enough if I wasn't there. So I think it kind of sets, it set me up a little bit for that. Um, the feelings of inadequacy that I don't never, I don't know that I really ever had that before. So it's almost like when you go to that extreme level of what you perceive to be success, and then you don't have that, I think it leaves you a little bereft and And for me, that was the first time in my experience. So my twenties is probably that time where I really felt a lot of shame around the fact that I, and here I am as a trainer too, right? I'm a, I'm a nutrition coach and I'm a trainer and I can't even stay on my own meal plan. Like there's a huge fraud thing going on. There's a huge like imposter syndrome thing going on. So all of this stuff, and you're right, no one is talking about it. And when I talk about it in the online space, when I have women emailing me constantly being like, thank you for giving me permission to be human and showing me that like, I'm not alone. And I'm just looking around going, we're all the same. We're actually all the same. There are no new stories, but no one feels really comfortable talking about it because it feels shameful to your point. People feel like they have to have it all figured out. And that's just bullshit. It's just not true because no one has to figure it out ever. And I think just calling that out is so, so powerful because I think it puts people in their power. They go, Oh, I'm just like everybody else. They can give themselves the benefit of the doubt. They can use things like self-compassion to make them more compliant or make them be able to actually do the things that they need to do because they're freeing up that mental energy. They're freeing up all like kind of the negative motivators and the guilt and the shame and the remorse, because remember it takes a lot of energy to keep hating yourself, doesn't it? So when you clear that out, you can, you know, you have more mental space to do, to actually implement, to actually get to the gym, to feel more motivated, to, to have some mindfulness with your eating. Um, and you need to give yourself the mental space to do that. Sure. And it's, it's interesting because I noticed this in my, in my own existence where it's like, even for example, so I, I do interviews with, with people, you know, at, at least once or twice a week with people that I'm like, 
oftentimes a little nervous to talk to, you know, like, oh my God, this person's been my hero for the last decade. That's so cool. <laughs> and now That's they're awesome. on my show. You know, so, yeah. So for me, it's like kind of like this morning when I, when, you know, so, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm drinking my, my traditional ceremonial guacha fuerte and I did my dancing. I did, did my writing <laughs> and I did my exercises and I looked at the sun this morning and I grounded myself. You know, I was like, I have mm-hmm. this full thing and I've been up for the last four hours, you know, in preparation just to, mm-hmm. just to chat with you. You know, and, cool. and, and so cool. it's, it's, it's a combination of healthy and then you can also kind of start to go off the Richter scale with that as well. And it becomes you just plastering on this like superficial layer of I am good enough because I had enough Guacha Fuerte and I did enough, you know, laps in the pool this morning or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And Guacha Fuerte, mm-hmm. by the way, is this type of mate. It's like the, it's like the, the really strong part of the oh. mate. Anyways, um, Pretty cool. I just had a licorice tea, so that's maybe kind of similar. There you go. And that's how I get. I've been experimenting with, I haven't done caffeine. This is actually an experimental interview. We'll see how it goes. I'm doing caffeine. Usually I don't do caffeine in the morning. I was like, I Are you just more, are you more energetic today though? Do you feel more peppy or not really? Possibly so. Is this always like your high level of energy? You always bring the high energy? I got to bring the high energy girl. No, I... (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's 10 a.m. for me. So, um, morning time usually in the past has been not as easy time for me to like really show up. And so, yeah, it's been kind of an experiment to see like, okay, cool. How mentally clear can I become? How, you know, vivid Mm -hmm. can I make my words and such? And usually it takes to around three (laughs) o'clock until that starts happening. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. this is experimental. We'll see how it goes. Well, you Um, know, one thing you mentioned that I think is really important is the whole concept of like of kind of like faking it a little bit like I was talking to my I do um one of the other things I do in Jill Fit is business coaching so I work with um I actually have 84 girls in my mentorship this year who are personal trainers group fitness instructors kind of health and wellness coach type people but want to bring their business online so I teach them how to do that and a lot of it does come down to perception when you're getting started doesn't it it's kind of like you have to you do have to fake it till you make it a little bit and then eventually you do make it but I do think it's because like you need to give yourself those little mental pep talks kind of how you're doing or going through your rituals, whatever that is, getting yourself centered, but also it comes down to belief system, right? It comes down to belief system. Like I belong here. You have to give yourself those little, I belong here. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is my space. I'm just as, um, you know, qualified as this person. I'm just as much of an expert. Cause a lot of these girls are really struggling with self doubt and who am I to be doing this? Kind of like you were saying, who am I to be talking to this guy as someone I looked up to? I think it's, um, my, you know, my, the way I kind of see things is you do have to start with, the perception you want to uh, project, and then over time you end up actually being that projection. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely, and and it's, it's such a fascinating subject because I think oftentimes I notice this with myself a little bit. Um, you know, people we we say we want these certain things, you know, and we say that the, you know this is I I, I want to be a you know a movie star or what you know whatever it is. It doesn't need to be a movie star at all. I want to be an accountant, whatever you're into, you know. Right. But we say we want these certain things, but oftentimes we create these blocks around it because we feel like we're not deserving of it. You know, yep. it's very, very, it's very paradoxical. You know, it's like, yes, every, every piece of my soul wants this, but then you get to those, those opportunities where it might be like, okay, here's your chance. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not ready. You know, and that, that, that I'm not ready. That's, you know, that's a a mental mindset that that needs to be sorted out ASAP. And I think, again, that relates back into your perception of yourself. Are you good enough? Now, so I'm really, I'm really curious 
Was there anything specifically as far as like advice or guidance you could give to the women of the world? I know it's not just women, men as well, for sure, but you happen to be a woman and you happen to, you know, walk the woman's path. So, um, but people of the world in general that deal with this stuff, is there anything that kind of like actionable steps that you can take? Yeah. So my philosophy, if I, I'm not really like religious or whatever, but if I was religious, if I had a religion, it would be action. It would just be action. It would just literally be jump and not know what's going to happen because I think you always, always learn. So if you have, so my action step is do anything different right in the second. Like that's literally what it is because I think you can't just like, I think if you make more moves and you make more decisions, you always learn. You don't even have to be making the right decisions because even if you don't, you get to learn. And I think if there's been one thing, um, for me anyway, and I have still a ton of goals with my business and my personal life and things like that. But if there's, if I've had any little tiny bit of success up until this point, it's because I literally just jumped without knowing what's going to happen. And I figured it out as I went, I always had this tiny, tiny little bit of self-trust that just said, you know what, you're going to figure it out. Like if you can't figure it out, you'll adjust, you'll figure it out. So I think if anyone's listening, it's hard, right? Because part of getting over self-doubt is taking action, but then the nature of self-doubt is that you don't want to take action. So it's like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? You don't think about being ready. You just jump before you're ready. So my piece of advice would just be do anything different right now and watch what happens. So just get the feedback. It's going to be good feedback to be bad feedback to be ugly feedback. It's all fine and it's all perfect. So the more times you can expose yourself to whatever that new thing is, I think do it. Even if you're terrified, even if you feel really uncertain, even if you feel really unsure, even if you feel really like just you, you, cause you can never control outcomes. Can you, even though we think that we can, I think for me anyway, I kind of got to a point where I'll never be able to predict what an outcome might be, but I I'll know I can definitely predict what will happen if I don't take action, which is nothing. So for me, it's everything comes down, down to just taking action. So I have this phrase that I use with my girls called GSD or get shit done. And so whenever the girls are like, well, I don't know if I should, should I do this? And it's just literally like sit in the chair and get shit done because you won't know if you should do it until you do it. So I think it's hard because again, it's one of the biggest challenges of someone who is stuck is taking action, but that's actually the only way you get unstuck. So you have to jump even if you don't know what's going to happen. I love it. One of my favorite quotes that I, I think about a lot, I think I say it probably like once a week too, is you can't catch any waves unless you get in the water. You know, and that's, and that's, one that. of, that's one of the biggest things that I've, I've witnessed again in my own life of, of just like, there's all these, I have, I have pretty big goals in mind and, um, all of these goals along the way, there's all these things. It's just like, man, am I, you know, a same you know, example would be like the, the podcast and interviewing yep. all these really brilliant people. You know, it's like, am I ready to do that? Screw it. Yes. Starting today, <laughs> go, you know, yep. and you start, start sending messages out, start connecting with people, start, you know, creating the video, creating the courses, you know, whatever it is. And this is in relation to me, but it could be anything that you do. But the big thing is, is you need to start immediately because tomorrow is infinite. You know, it's like tomorrow is never going to come. As long as your perception is tomorrow, tomorrow will be again tomorrow. (laughs) Well, that's why I always tell my girl. I say you never get to step two without going through step one because a lot of them are going well you know my goal for the year is this and I want to have this many clients or I you know five years from now I want to have this and I'm like look you don't get to five years if if you don't go through what's what's in front of you today like just do the first thing whatever that is like you know sit in the chair write the blog write the email write 
right? You know, if it's online business, get on social media, like whatever it is that you know you can do right this second. And I don't know, something about action, and you probably feel the same way, even if you don't know exactly what you're doing, the more action you take, the more empowered you feel. To me, it puts me right back in my power. If, if I start to feel distracted, if I start to feel overwhelmed, if I start to feel jealous or envious somebody else or these all these kind of mental aerobics that you for me action in my creative power put me right back in at my personal power and I just feel like it's fine it's all good I'm I'm there I feel right back in, in control so I don't know I think I totally get that I love that quote I'm just I'm probably gonna have to steal that quote now yeah it's all yours um I mean I stole it too so it's all good <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not an original it's not an Aaron original no that was not an Aaron original I got that off of somebody who got that off of somebody who got that off of somebody so it's probably been like morphed and changed and all that but that's you know mm-hmm. here, here it is today and um, you know mm-hmm. yeah I think it, I couldn't agree more I'm so glad that we're chatting about that I'm curious did you deal with um, eating disorder stuff? Did that was that any, any ever something that you were that you were dealing with? No, luckily I, I never dealt with that. Yeah, so nice. I don't. I kind of stay away from that. I don't. I don't. Definitely do not feel like that's in my wheelhouse. The things that I end up talking about a lot are things like mental obsession with food, and I talk a lot about what I call automating your physique, which is basically trying to take your the amount of mental energy and physical time you spend thinking about food, eating food, buying food, prepping food, try and minimize all of that. So you have more mental space. I try to think about like mental energy, like a pie chart, right? It's finite. Your focus is finite. So you have to kind of be aware and protect, um, your mental space. So if you can kind of automate those, the eating and the exercise and all of that stuff, you can automate that a little bit more or find workarounds or find things, ways to make that stuff easier. Now all of a sudden it takes less mental space and you have more mental space to work on your business or work on your you know career aspirations or your family, put in time to your relationships, your personal development, whatever that looks like. And so I never, so I do talk about kind of like food obsession and, and that kind of thing. So I do tend to get a lot of women who have had experiences with ED. I never have. So I always kind of try and say, that's not my expertise. That's not really, but I think anyone can, whether you've suffered with ED or not, I think anyone can glean a little bit of insight just from some of the tools that, that I use, um, with JillFit, I'm actually launching a program called Four Week Food Obsession Bootcamp next week. Um, and it's all about just like kind of the tools and insights around how to decrease how much you think about food and exercise. Because who wants to? I mean, life is too short to be so stressed about that all the time. And what I hear from women is I'm so stressed about it, but I don't know how to not be stressed about it. And so my program is actually just an educational program. It's not a weight loss program or anything like that. It's purely educational. Awesome. And yeah. do you... Uh... Have you worked with any folks, like any any of the trainers that you work with or clients or anything that, that have dealt with uh, eating disorders? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, it's like I feel lucky, but I do, you know, it's probably something that eventually down the road it would be nice to have some exposure to that, but I haven't. Okay. And then what about makeup? Is that so something that I notice with people as they are oftentimes like, you know, I'll go to the bank or I'll go to any place and I'll see these poor women that are like covering their face up and, you know, just caking themselves with makeup. And to me, I see it as just like, oh my God, I feel so... I feel bad for them because it, to me, it's, it's like, again, it's like, it's like literally covering up, you know, do you, is that something that you witness in, in your reality, especially with like the background with, with bodybuilding and your know, background, just, you know, modeling and all that stuff. Is that something that you've ever noticed? And like, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, no one's ever asked you that before. Um, it is a, it's a relevant question just because you're right, like with the modeling and stuff, it's very like that's, but I think for me, I've never been really super girly girl kind of like that. So it, it's never been uh, something that I focus too much on. And I kind of think about makeup, honestly, to be honest with you, I think of a lot of it like, like a plastic surgery. And I don't really judge that. I mean, to me, I'm very much of like, I don't personally, you know, do any of that. But I do think that um, and I'm not being on makeup either. But I do think that there's power in in giving someone a way to feel more confident. I think it can be overdone. I feel like there's a bell shaped curve right. where you get caught up in, you, you know, you have to have cosmetic surgery. You have to use makeup in order to feel good about yourself. And without that, you don't have a level of self-worth. I don't think that's healthy, but it's like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? In some ways, I think having like a little bit of makeup might help you stand up a little bit straighter when you go out. You know, it's just like, it gives you that little bit of that little sense of confidence that you might not have had otherwise. And so for me, having that can be valuable. I do see that there's value in something like that. You know, a lot of women in the bodybuilding space and the fitness space, um, when they do get really lean, they tend to like, you know, lose their breasts and things like that. And they'll go get breast augmentation. And for me, I've never done that. I don't, I don't judge it, but I do see the value of something like that for someone who just feels like, you know, like, I don't know that it, I think automatically we go as a, as a society, we just go, Oh, she must be so insecure. She needs to have fake boobs. But like, that's not, I, I can see both sides of it. You know, I can see that like maybe someone would do that because, you know, you have these women being like, my boyfriend offered to pay for them. And like, that's a little, I don't know. Like I, I try not to judge, but at the same time, I do see that you have worked so hard on your physique. You kind of just feel like I want to feel, especially if you tend to have more muscle and you're very lean, you kind of want to feel like a woman too, you know? So I, I think that it's, I'm very all over the board with it. I try not to judge it either way. I think it's a spectrum. And I do think there's a little bit of a bell shaped curve. You kind of have to hit that sweet spot where you, it gives you enough of a boost that it helps you maybe do more, take more action, do for yourself, maybe boost your self-esteem because you do other stuff as a result of it, but it's not solely your focus. It's not the only reason why you feel um, confident and worthy. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think I, okay. I totally agree that I think that certain things like the way that we dress impacts the way that we stand, you know, the way that we, the way yep. that our, totally. our, the way that we think our face looks impacts, you know, the level of the amount of eye contact that we make again, the way that we stand, the way that yeah. we carry ourselves, the way that we express ourselves. So, so which comes first, you have to be like, so confident first. And then, you know, then you do, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Which comes first? I'm not really sure. So I think there is a case you made for you. It's like this feed forward loop, you know, you feel yes. more confident the way that you look and then, the, then you end up, you know, doing the things that confident people do. So it's like that B do have, you know, if you want to be confident, you kind of have to just like do the things that confident people do. You have to kind of jump into that forward, that feed forward cycle. Right. Does it make sense? Oh yeah. hundred okay. percent. And it's, it's so interesting talking about this stuff. And the reason I bring up, <laughs> the reason I bring up the makeup is because, I mean, it's totally kind like out of left field, but also not at all. You know, I think all of this stuff, like bolt on muscles, I think that is makeup. You know, that's something that I dealt with growing up. I was into, I was into competitive bodybuilding and stuff when I was like a little kid. It was really weird. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I was, but I was really, I would say absolutely. I had, you know, body dysmorphia and I was like, I would bring protein shakes and protein bars and it's just like, oh my God, it's just all this stuff. I'd like bring them into, into middle school and high school and I was like pounding these things down every two hours. I'd do push-ups before I'd, you know, like 
whatever meet anybody that I was like, oh man, they might judge me. You know, it's someone like puff up my pecs. Like it was weird, you know, and it was <laughs> what it would end up doing is ended up like at first I was, I was really athletic and you know, I was playing ice hockey and I was doing sports and what ended up happening is I got humongous. I was like, went from 160 to like 220 as like a 17 year old kid. And, uh, it was all a product of insecurity and, you know, dissatisfaction of myself and, um, you know, like, am I good enough? And at the time I didn't look at it that way. At the time I looked at it as just like, oh, I want to get jacked. You know, I want to be like a dude, you know, and now I look back and I'm like, oh, you poor, poor boy, <laughs> you know? And so that's like, to me, that is the male version of makeup. You know, it's like, I'm not totally satisfied with these flesh and bones. And so I'll pack on this costume on top of it. And then, you know, hopefully people will praise me for it. So, well, I think it's like, you know, I love hearing that story because it goes back to, I think everyone is entitled to their story, which is their journey. Like, you know, someone else might be listening and be where you were, you know, when you were at that age and, and go, there's nothing wrong with that. And so I think it's, you have to have the experience. So it's funny because I have a lot of girls who come to me now and they say, I, you know, I really resonate with your moderate, moderate approach to eating and exercise, but I really want to do a figure competition. I, always tell them, even though for me, it was like a lot of really a lot of struggle and things like that. I always tell them to do it because I can, I can sit here all day and be like, well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to lose all that weight. Then you're going to gain all back. Then you're going to be ashamed. Then you're going to hate your body. Then you're like, I can tell them my story a million times, but until they have their own experience, whatever that is. And gosh, I hope it's an amazing experience. I hope that they're grateful for it. But until they go through that process, they're, you know, they don't have their own perspective. So that's why I always say that the idea that we can look at, like, at least for me, that I could look at anyone else and, and go, they shouldn't feel that way or they shouldn't do that thing is just, I think I'm just, I don't know. I think I'm just like too much of an old soul to do that. I'm just like, everyone has their thing and it's not, I guess I'm just like a live and let live kind of person. Sure. So I think it's, I, I think it's good. I mean, I love hearing the stories and someone hears my story, hears your story and they resonate with it a little bit. It gives them hope that, you know, maybe things get better, things get easier. There are some tools out there, whatever that looks like. And so that's why I always share, but I couldn't, I never feel comfortable saying that someone should do it what I did. Right. Well, I think that, I think that, you know, it would be pretty inarguable that the baseline or the ground floor would be self-satisfaction, you know, and then from there, hopefully you can progress that into passion. And then from there, you can progress that into specialization and in whatever it is that you're interested in. But I think oftentimes we kind of like miss mix up those layers and it starts off with like, you know, I don't know who I am or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, you know, I'm dissatisfied this and I'll like, I'll put this void filler in and you know, you have your, your, uh, your food obsession boot camp or what mm -hmm. how do you call it? Yeah. 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 The four weeks food obsession boot camp. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I think food is a, is a phenomenal void filler. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I'm, you know, I'm dissatisfied with myself, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm by myself or whatever, like, Oh, I think about, oh, I don't know. My thoughts make me uncomfortable. So I'll, I'll eat another hoagie, you know, it's like now my, now my, you know, my mandible is chomping. And so I'm not thinking about it anymore, you know, but what it ends up doing is it ends up compounding, you know, Albert Einstein, um, he said compounding is one of the, was one of the wonders of the world, you know, because the power of that is massive. You know, when you swing a golf club at a golf ball, it starts off and it goes fairly, you know, straight unless you like totally shank it, you know, but then after X amount of yards, it will all of a sudden make a, it'll either keep on going straight or make a dramatic curve. 
You know, I think that that's what happens with us. We have to be really, really aware of our momentary decisions and our thoughts and our feelings and, you know, everything that we do because it is adding up and it is compounding. And what I always talk about is, you know, sustainability of our movement practice, you know? And so if, if you want to be sustainable in your life, you absolutely need to start with that, that foundation of passion. You know, you need to genuinely enjoy what you're doing and not be martyring yourself for some degree of fitness. I was doing quotation marks with my fingers there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? It's so funny because, you know, remember what you said is, you know, like people need to be so aware. And I think you and I probably have the same challenge with the people that we're trying to reach. So you're, you're in more of the movement realm. I'm in the more nutrition realm and everything comes down to mindfulness, doesn't it? And how do you teach someone mindfulness? That's really hard because it takes effort. And so, and I especially, I think the way the fitness industry has gone or the way, like, at least for me, the, the kind of dieting culture that we're in, everyone's, no one wants sustainable, right? Like no one, no one wants sustainable because it's not sexy. It's not interesting. It's not hardcore enough. Whether it's nutrition or exercise, we want the most hardcore. We want the thing that's going to give me the best results. We want the thing that's going to get us a six pack. We're not thinking 10, 20 years down the road, what potentially it could be doing to our long-term quote sustainability. So that's why I always see these people doing these 21 day sugar detoxes and these seven day jump starts and these 30 day cleanses and like whatever it is. And it's hard because my message is the exact opposite. I'm like, let's take a year and really figure out your nutrition. No one wants to wait a year, but I'm like, that's what you, that's actually what it's going to take to not be struggling for the next 30 years. You know what I mean? But that's a really hard sell when you're dealing with kind of the, the fast, like, you know, the, um, instant gratification culture. So it is, it's, I think both you and I are kind of doing it in different ways, but coming at it from the same, trying to make a case, like you said, before we got on the call, you said, I want people to get excited about their movement. And that's, that's a tough sell in, in our industry. And for me, it is a tough sell being like, I'm trying to sell a moderate approach. And we've kind of heard the term moderation and we're like, yeah, yeah, moderation. But that's like for your grandmother. Or that's for like people who aren't hardcore. That's for people who don't really like want results. Like we kind of just poo poo it. Um, but for me, it's actually the thing that works. So trying to put a new interesting spin on moderation to get people not only to see that it's valuable, but to see that it's actually the only way to sustainable nutrition. And so, and to make it that, that much more interesting or sexy or whatever, um, you know, which is how you talk about it. So it's, but it's fun, isn't it? It's like being a business owner. It's kind of like, it's fun to get to put all those puzzle pieces together. Oh yeah. Jill, you just blew my diabolical plot. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? No one was supposed to know. What... <laughs> oh, I'm, you know, I'm already, I'm already so transparent. I'm telling people right right now what I'm trying to do. I'm like, I'm trying to get them to care about moderation. Right. That's <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I, 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 very likely a lot of the listeners out there with this, with this show specifically will be people that are competing in, you know, maybe bodybuilding shows or, or figure competitions, whatever it is. Right. And I would like it to be known that I think that they're fine. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I think that, you know, a figure competition is healthier than a bodybuilding show. And maybe that's just semantics. But my perception of a figure composition or competition is who has, you know, a really beautiful human form, you know, because that's that's incredible. I, I mean, that's like. 
you can you can create this magnificent form from dance and from climbing and from you know expressive movement and from you know gymnastics and crossfit or you know whatever whatever you're into there's so many different mediums of creating a incredibly beautiful form and then of course every form is beautiful in its own way but i don't think that i don't think that the you know, fitness competitions are there's anything wrong with them at all i think they're fantastic i think putting yourself into some type of competitive environment like that induces a stimulus for you to you know have a reason to give a dang about what you're doing which i think is great i've never i've never gotten better than when there was some type of competition that i was signed up for you know so i think i think it's great but i think that what we need to keep track of again is the passion you know why are we doing this competition a and then as well you know what can i do that's actually sustainable and long lasting and this is going to be something that i'm going to want to do forever and ever and not be that yo-yo diet thing yo-yo fitness model yo-yo anything that you're talking about yeah i think it's just about having maintaining perspective right that's always a hard thing is i think you can get very myopic in the process because all you see is this last show my the judges told me that my delts weren't popping enough and i got to add you know like i got to get my legs down and like it just becomes very like nitpicky and very myopic so i think for me that the lesson is always maintaining the long-term perspective and that's again very hard to pull yourself back and go okay i'm not gonna be doing these shows forever so once i'm done doing these shows how do I get back to balance? Like what steps do I need to take? What mindset do I need to have? What, who do I need to surround myself with? What tools do I need? And I think that takes some introspection, also takes some courage because it's not always easy to look at the long term. So to your point, the sustainability piece is, um, I think it's really tough to kind of maintain, but I think that is ultimately where you need to go. So anyway, I think I cut you off. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no apologies. Um, another question, kind of random question. Do you have any... What's the first healthcare misconception that comes to your mind? Healthcare misconception. That's one of our hitting questions here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, I think there's actually a lot. I mean, I think one thing that we tend to see a lot is that, um, you know, people who are thinner are healthy. Like, I think there's a difference between healthy versus kind of fat loss. You know, I mean, there's. Uh, like, like just speaking to my own experience of being up on stage and being on the cover of magazines and stuff like that and being very not healthy on the inside. You know, I was eating tons and tons of protein and I, you know, my teeth were like, I really have a problem with my teeth. My hair is falling out. I was eating like Splenda and artificial sweeteners and I had acne, like just things that now have totally reversed, but that's the kind of stuff that, so I do think you can see that. You see people who are like super, super lean, you don't really know what's going on with their health. And then you see other people who are maybe quote, quote, skinny fat, right? We look at them and they're maybe at an elevated risk for something like heart disease or diabetes, but they are thin. So we just go, oh, they're healthy. So I think that's, that's one thing. That's why I always try and tell my girls the idea that you can or should compare yourself or your journey, your body to anyone else's is because here's the thing, losing weight is not that hard, right? It's just don't eat, but that's totally unsustainable. It's totally not healthy, right? So a lot of these people, you see they're malnourished, they're um, depleted, like from their vitamins and minerals are completely depleted and they're just deficient and all this stuff. And so 
I think that's a misconception. And then of course the opposite is also true, right? You can be overweight and you can be, you know, healthy and things like that, or you can be, um, you know, or you can be overweight and you can be uh, malnourished. Like, I mean, I think there's just all these kind of varying degrees. That's why I think it's so, so important to have your own journey and really look inward. So one of the things I always talk about Jill Fit is kind of the meal plan culture, the dieting culture, where we always hire these different coaches to give us meal plans. We go, oh, this coach has the best meal plan or this, you know, and I really hate the, um, the deference of that. Like I really want people, like one of my charges in the world is that no one can help you. Like that's what you're for. So yes, you can go to these experts and go to these coaches and they have experience and they have expertise, but no one knows your body better than you do. And so it's teaching that introspection, which I think is probably what a lot, what you do, Aaron too, is like teaching people to actually look at the way that they're moving. And so how do you teach someone biofeedback, right? It's like, how do you get them? to start looking at their own stuff. So I ask, you know, I, I challenge my girls to look at things like how hungry are they? Like a lot of people don't know how hungry they are, what level they're at, their cravings, their energy levels. Are they up and down? People don't even notice that stuff. How is their GI? What is their mood like? Um, how full are they? Those are just taking little intakes of your body throughout the day that I think we don't we just take for granted, like we don't even notice, know what's going on in our own body. So teaching people how to introspect and know their body better than anybody takes some work, but that is definitely something that I'm passionate about. So that's why I don't think you can ever compare your journey or your body or whatever to anyone else's. We're all, you know, we're all so unique. And I think as a consumer, that gets really frustrating because people just want to be told what to eat, but really it is the ultimate way out of all the, the meal plan culture, the dieting culture to yank yourself out of that all or nothing mentality. So so that's a kind of a long answer for your question, but I think there's obviously so many. <laughs> that was a beautiful answer. I love it. Um, another question. What inspires you most right now? Um, honestly, it's a really, really cool time for me right now. I'm so inspired. Um, just through the creative process. I've never been fully in, we hear this term flow. It's kind of like a psychological term where when you're doing something, you're so engrossed in what you're doing that you lose track of time. It's like you would do it even if you weren't getting paid to do it. It's very like, and in my entire adult life, my passion and purpose have never been so aligned as they have been in the last about year and a half in my business, which is just an amazing feeling. So for me, the thing that inspires me the most is creation to like, and when I say create, I mean from a complete a place of passion and purpose completely lined up. And what that is for me is, is getting feedback from women. Like I, for me, I'm very, very passionate and super excited about helping women find solutions because I get emails every single day, dozens of emails from women who are struggling. And I, like, I get borderline angry about that, not at them, but just borderline angry at like that these women don't know how amazing they are. So for me, the thing that charges me up the most is coming up with those solutions and finding a way to say something in a new way or a different way or a way that resonates or a lateral way or novel or whatever that is to find a way that it resonates with someone and they, then they can find a solution for themselves. Like to me, I get amped up by that. And so, um, I don't know if that answered your question, but for me, it's always, it comes down to that creative process. If I feel distracted, overwhelmed, whatever I sit down and I write, I sit down and create a tool. I sit down and write an email. I do something for me. It just ends up being writing. I know for you, it's like dance and all that stuff for <laughs> me. It's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely writing for me. That's like my, it's so, so cathartic for me. And, um, so that's what I do. Awesome. 
So you mentioned Flow. Uh, Stephen Kotler is scheduled to be on the show next month. He's the writer of, That's amazing. Uh, of that book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very cool. Yeah. Great book. I would suggest to anybody. Pretty fantastic stuff. Um, yep. Another question I have, as we already know after this chat, um, I'm pretty into morning rituals. Do you have any type of ritualistic thing that you do in the morning or is it kind of just get up and go? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I've noticed because I work from home. So it's like I have to be very in tune with my energy, my creative flow, because I'm not always creative on the spot. But for me, again, get shit done, GSD. I sit my ass in the chair every day and I create regardless of I mean, did you read the, Have you ever read the book, um, The War of Art? I haven't read that one yet, but oh, it's such a good. I mean, but it's yeah, and it's all about just like the creative process, and basically, it's like it's your job to be creative. If you're creative, you sit and you do the work every day, and it becomes easier as you do it. So for me, my most creative times are early, early in the morning. So I usually wake up between five and six, and I and I literally sit down and write, um, like very first thing I do, cool. and whether that turns into a blog post or an email or a program that I'm doing, or you know, I'm working on my book proposal right now, whatever that looks like, um, I work on that because that's what I'm most creative creative. And then, um, I go and work out usually mid morning. I have a, I train with someone, we do our workout, I come home and then I read for like three or four hours. So it's like my, pretty much my entire morning is like just writing, exercising, eating breakfast, and then reading until about noon. And then afternoon I'll work on like just various projects and stuff. But yeah, my morning routine is writing. Awesome. And I want to be respectful of your time. So I promise I'll let you go here really soon. Um, I would like to just have a little add on with that of, you know, writing most people that I talk to that are successful in their life or, you know, have their ideas organized or, you know, good at expressing themselves, they write a lot. And I'd just like to throw that out there for folks that I've, again, personally, I've haven't found anything that has helped me with organizing my, my flow of thoughts and also with creating my reality more than actually writing down how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking about, you know, getting it all out on paper. What I, what I've kind of the analogy I use is, you know, when you're, when you just have these like thoughts or these to do's and you don't actually put them down, they're just floating around and they just continue feeding back through that circuit. And it's just like, you keep repeating the same thought over and over again. It's like, where am I going? Mm -hmm. I'm just spinning my wheels. You know, but as mm -hmm. soon as you put that down onto paper is done, you know, and then it's just like, it's, it's the next step is action. You know, and I, so I think that it's just such a crucial thing. If you do want to GST, then <laughs> you, you gotta make a to-do list. You know, you gotta you gotta make your your vision board or your notebook or whatever the heck it is, your laptop. Write that stuff down. You know, and if you give a dang about presenting yourself to the world, write down who you are. You know, like write down your message, put that down so that when someone does ask you, you know, what do you do? Who are you? Like, what what are you what are you what are you attempting to create with this? bam, it's there at the tip of your tongue because you've written it. So I'm, I appreciate you you mentioning that. I think that's great. Yeah, um, and also reading too. And here's the thing, like I'm not a writer. I've never been a writer. I still don't consider myself a writer. I do write, but I, so I don't think so. If anyone's listening being like, well, that's fine because that's, you know, I don't know, you're a writer and this and that. Like I've never been. And I, even when I started blogging, I absolutely sucked. I'm a little bit better now, but I just, I, I think I'm more of a creator, more of like a communicator. So I think it's reading as well. I read like about three to four hours a day. So like, that's just always been something for me because I think in order to be a good communicator, you have to be able to make connections. There's an amazing book by Art, Art Markman called Smart Thinking, and it's all about lateral thinking. It's all about how to take something that you read over here or an insight you had over in this space and connected it back to 
another space. So for example, at Jill Fit, I talk a lot of psychology, even though I'm like technically a fitness and nutrition company, I always want to bring in habit change. And I want to bring in like how we think about things and the mental constructs around food. Cause it's not just about to do's, right? It's not just about what food to eat, what exercise to do. That's not what it is it's about the how to's. So how do you actually implement these things? Cause people know what to eat, right? They know how to exercise. That stuff is not rocket science. What is hard is the implementation piece. And that takes more of the mental constructs and bringing in kind of the lateral thinking. So for me, I would definitely say reading and writing writing both are, are valuable. Yeah. I, I, I say oftentimes, you know, you are what you eat. You're also, you are what you read. And yes. I, I notice you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I will, when I'm working with my clients, it's like, okay, today we're talking about, you know, visceral manipulation or, you know, like organ manipulation or, you know, today yep. we're talking about, you know, it's the psychology of flow. <laughs> and how, how this relates <laughs> and they're like, to your how life. is that relate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like, they're, you know, they're, they're paying me the same for, you know, whatever the session is. But like today it's like this new topic. It's like, where do you get this stuff? And I was like, well, I'm reading the book on it. <laughs> it's like, yep, so yep. that's, that forms your conversation. Exactly. It forms your thoughts. It forms, you know, which that ends up again, creating that, that loop, that feedback loop. Yep. Like, oh, now all of a sudden I notice every person, every conversation I have with people is about body dysmorphia. How the heck did that happen? Well, you just <laughs> read this book on body dysmorphia, you know? And so here you are chatting about it and then reinforcing that in your reality. So you are what you yep. read. I agree. Um, the cool. other Last question that I have for you is if you could go back to your early self, say whatever age you want, really say like teenager or so, and give yourself some advice and give, you know, mainly give people out there in the world advice. Um, what would you, what would you tell yourself? God, you know, what's so funny about that. And this is such a great question, but I don't know that I would tell myself anything because I'm so appreciative and I know it's kind of a cop out. I'll, I'll tell you maybe in a second, but it's kind of a little bit of cop out answer. You're like, really Jill? But yeah, no, seriously. I don't know that I would really tell myself anything because I'm so appreciative for all of the struggles and all of the obstacles and all the lessons and all the, you know, and it always like most people, you know, it's never always pretty. You have the good, the bad, the ugly, but I do believe that I don't know that I would take, deny myself the opportunity to have the experiences. The tough, the stuff was really tough, but I think if there's one thing that I maybe wish I had known earlier, um, you know, is just that you do get to create your life. I think that the first time I heard that was when I was 24, when I did my first competition. And that was really the first time I think I was a little bit in autopilot. Like most of us are, um, in our early years where we kind of go to school and we get a job and we find a, you know, a partner and we just basically play defense for the rest of our life. I think I wish that maybe I had, known about the power of creating the concept of creating your life or even the law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, maybe at an earlier age, but I'm so, so grateful for that now. And my brother actually, um, he is 24, but when he was 20, he came to live with me. Um, and it was a really cool gift for me to kind of mentor him in that way. I mean, I never consider myself like a mentor, but like to, to be able to have those conversations that I wish I was having when, at, when I was 20. So in a sense, it's kind of like I did that with him. Like I was able to kind of start steering the conversation to, to places I wish I had someone had talked to me about who had a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more experience, a little more wisdom at that age. So I've kind of had that experience, but that's a great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- another, I have all these quotes and Aaronisms and such, but another thing that I say, <laughs> I say a lot, and I think that I ripped this off of somebody too. I'm not sure where this one came from, but you know, when, when life gets hard, you can either grow or you can grow a tumor. You know, it's like, it, Ooh, go, it goes, that's true. It goes one or one of two directions, eh, probably a couple other directions, but you know, it's, I try to see literally, and this is so cliche and I've said it before on the show, but I try to see literally 
everything that happens in my life is a gift, you know? And so yep. when, you know, I, you, you break your foot or you, you know, your girlfriend breaks up with you or your whatever happens, it's always, always a lesson, you know, and it's always yep. about how you deal with that. And it's an opportunity to get better and get stronger and be a part of a new experience that you wouldn't have understood before. You know, and what that does is it, is it permits you the capacity to go out and help other people that have potentially gone through that realm. And it ends up giving you character, ends up making you stronger, ends up actually, you know, developing a story. So. And the irony of that is like, you don't know that until you do it, you know? So it's like, it's so hard to convince someone to be like, yeah, you really do want to get, you know, lean into your struggles, embrace your challenges. They're like, really, you know, but then once you go through it, you are like, oh, like you have to have that experience one time. And then you just become someone who, when you have that perspective, you're just like, yes, bring on the shit. Like, I can't wait to have these struggles because I know I get stronger, you know? So it does become a belief system. But in order to get to that space, the irony of that is you don't know the value of it until you go through it. Right. So Absolutely. it's a very cool conversation to have. Awesome. Um, where can people find you at Jill? Sure. Yeah. My website is really easy. Just jillfit.com. Um, on Facebook, just jillfitphysiques and, um, Instagram and Twitter, I'm just at jillfit. So it's super, super easy. And then if people are interested in email, I'm at info at jillfit.com. Awesome. Well, I super appreciate chatting with you. It was really great to hear from you and, um, Thanks so have, much. You, have you back again. Yeah. Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and a massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Movement Medicine.